0: Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio
1: B here in our facility. Good setup.
0: Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. wherever whenever now from Studio B or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be here's Daniel Sellerson.
3: what's going on welcome into the Monday edition of the black and blue report I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly I'll be filling in all week for him I took vacation last week went back home to Georgia rest a little bit saw some friends and family And uh, so now it's his turn to do the same as he'll be off all week leading into our hiatus starting on Saturday. Hope everyone had a great week. Thanks again to Fred Ruckert, Sean, and John DeShazer for holding down the fort. I'm sure no one really missed me here. But I am back, and uh, we'll have a great week leading into our hiatus. Our hiatus will last until uh, training camp, Saints training camp, in late July. So we'll be back for that. But after this week, we'll take a little break ourselves. Um, There still will be the NBA draft, free agency, um, and, of course, we'll still have all that on Pelicans.com, but the show itself will take its hiatus um, starting after this week. So I will be here hosting and producing all week long, and we should should have some good stuff. Saints minicamp right around the corner presented by Verizon. That starts tomorrow. The NBA Finals still going on. Stanley Cup Finals still going on. U.S. Open starts this week. We will hit all of that. And um, tough day for LSU yesterday at the College World Series, but they are still in it, and hopefully they can pull out a game tomorrow. In Omaha, let's start with Game Six NBA Finals, or should I, should I say Game Five? Last night, 104 to 91 is your final score. Warriors leading the series now, three to two. Despite LeBron James over 40 points, triple double for him is second one of this NBA Finals. MVP worthy for sure, but uh, it's gonna be tough to have him win it for the losing team if uh, they end up uh, not winning the NBA Finals. Still. Two more games to go, possibly, as Game 6 will roll around tomorrow in Cleveland as a tough night for the Cavs. Kind of ran out of gas there at the end. Steph Curry, brilliant in the last quarter. They finished the game on a 19-7 run and, again, win 104-91. to Joel Myers, television voice of the Pelicans, he's also on Sirius XM Radio for the NBA. He'll come on to talk about Game 5 and preview Game 6 tomorrow as there's lots to get to. With that, it's been such a good series, though. I mean, without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Love, uh Cavs have been hanging on in there. Matthew Del stepping up. J.R. Smith was good in the first half, I would say, for the Cavs and kinda of disappeared in the second half. But other than that, I would say it's been a it's a pretty good series. And Andre Igodala having a hell of a series for the Warriors stepping up there as he's been getting more minutes, averaging around fifteen points per game. Also tonight, Stanley Cup Finals, Game 6 in Chicago. The Blackhawks could win it in Chicago for the first time since 1938. This could be their third Stanley Cup in six years, but the other two they won on the road. So Game 6 and could be the final game would wrap up tonight, Blackhawks and Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'm hoping for a Game 7 just because I like it. But again, I really have no horse in the race as uh, I wouldn't mind either the Blackhawks or Lightning winning it all. So uh, hopefully a good one tonight, and then possibly a Game 7 on Wednesday. So we'll have uh, lots of stuff going on this week in the sports world. We'll also continue our uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame series. We had a bunch of people on last week, Jake Delhomme, Kevin Falk, Leonard Smith. Today it's Paul Houlihan, Allstate Sugar Bowl CEO, who's winning the Dave Dixon Louisiana Sports Leadership Award. He'll be on to talk about his award and uh, give us an update on what's going on with the Sugar Bowl. You know, New Orleans is bidding for the 2019 and 2020 National Championship, plus a semifinals bid they already have in 2018. So he'll keep us updated on what's going on there. Plus, we'll talk about his award he'll be accepting in a few weeks uh, with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Lots to get to today. Also, I want to send the congratulations to Steve Gleason and uh, Team Gleason and the Gleason Initiative Foundation. Um, Steve is winning the 2015 George Hallis Award winner by the Professional Football Writers of America. Gleason is the 46th Fame Award winner. He's the third member of the Saints franchise to receive the honor, joining kicker Tom Dempsey in 72 and current quarterback Drew Brees in 07. The Hollis Award is given to an NFL player, coach, or staff member who overcomes the most adversity to succeed. Steve Gleason has certainly done that and is continuing um, to battle with ALS, but he serves as an inspiration to all of us. And is helping raising funds to help provide individuals with neuromuscular diseases or injuries with the leading edge technology equipment and services via his team Gleason and the Gleason Initiative Foundation. So a big congratulations and much deserved uh, to Steve Gleason winner of the 2015 George Hallis Award from the Pro Football Writers of America. So that will be release will be going out as we speak. So uh, good news today on this Monday hope this Monday's finding you well uh, trying to get back in the swing of things here so uh, let's go ahead and get started coming up next Joel Myers will talk NBA finals on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report
1: All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products this lasting investment is virtually maintenance free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money.
0: I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street, asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's club. quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least $21 to purchase. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report.
3: Welcome back to the show. Let's continue our NBA Finals talk on this Monday. Golden State holds now a three to two lead on the Cavs and have a chance to win the NBA Finals tomorrow in Cleveland for Game Six. We had David Wesley on on Friday from Fox Sports New Orleans to break down the NBA Finals, so we needed to have his partner on Joel Myers to talk about it today. Joel, uh, glad to have you on. It's been a long time.
4: Been a while, Daniel. You know, you only play so much golf. But fortunately, the finals have been
3: phenomenal. They have been a lot of fun. They have been a lot of fun. Let's talk about Game Five a little bit. It seemed like Cleveland was in it most of the way. Then it seemed like they ran out of gas there at the end. What were your, some of what were some of the biggest takeaways from you for Game Five?
4: Well, it was the game that Steph Curry actually—that was his signature game by far—with thirty-seven points. And when it was. Five, five and a half minutes left one point game at 85-84. And there for the taking for Cleveland, that's when he came up and he had those moments. So we've seen it. All of us in the West know how good the Golden State Warriors are firsthand. And the rest of the country, and especially the East Coast, because they don't see the Warriors that much because their games, they started, what, 7, 7.30? Mm-hmm. So 10, 10.30? And a lot of people, I don't blame them, they're not staying up. For even on the league pass for those late games. But the Golden State Warriors have been the best team from start to finish this year, and they're showing
3: it once again. Timothy Mozgov in Game 4 had an outstanding game, 28 points, 10 rebound, was their leading scorer. Only nine minutes in Game 5, it uh, seems like the Cavs had to go smaller to adjust to the Warriors going small. Was it the right decision to sit Mozgov so much in Game 5?
4: I don't think uh, there's any question it was the right decision. When you're, you're on the road against a team, that has had the ro- the home record that the Warriors have had, and as I said, you're you're only in a one point decision with five minutes to play. You made the right call. I think mm-hmm. David Blatt's done a really good job. When you consider who would have believed that we'd go to a Game Six without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, right. so give him credit. He's, they're playing shorthanded. He's coached them up. Uh, he's going against to to the team with the best record of the NBA, and could force a game seven with a win tomorrow night on their home floor, so, which is what we're hoping for. But the real difference in the series has been the play of Andre Iguodala. And as far as I'm concerned, as well as Steph has played over the last couple of games and got his feet under him, Andre Iguodala has been the MVP for the Warriors. Not only has he played, and this is a guy that's averaged uh, 15, just about 15 a game over the first five games of the series, but he averaged eight a game during the regular mm-hmm. season. Now, granted, the minutes are different. He's playing uh, starters minutes, 42-and-a-half last night. But what he's done at both ends of the floor to, to be able to defend LeBron, and not that he's stopping LeBron, but if anything, just controlling LeBron so that he's got to take a lot of shots for his points. Mm-hmm. Last night, 15-of-34 for LeBron James, as good as it was for LeBron with another triple-double. And off-the-charts play. I mean, LeBron James, it's amazing to watch him now uh, give Andre Iguodala a lot of credit. Staying in front of him, they don't have to double as much. You'll see they blitz LeBron when it might be Harrison Barnes or somebody switched over. They've got to trap and blitz and get the ball out of his hands, but that's not the case with Iguodala. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach a little bit better uh, because they've got a really legit all-defensive squad guy on him.
3: You mentioned Andre Iguodala playing at an MVP-like level um, during this series. Steph Curry is starting to heat up as well. You have LeBron James on the other side, like you mentioned, triple-double over 40 points. Do you think LeBron could win this MVP even if they lose, or will it go to someone on the winning side, either Curry or Iguodala?
4: No, I don't think we're going to see Jerry West 1969. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's got to go to, right now, as far as I'm concerned, if I had a vote, it would go with Iguodala. Iguodala has truly been their most valuable player. He's been their glue guy. And it was a great move by by Steve Kerr to put him into the starting lineup to force tempo, to force pace. And when I say pace, a lot of people say, well, they're not getting as many shots as they want up. And, and last night the Warriors only had 75 shots. Well, they had 34 free throw attempts. So a lot of those trips turned out to be free throw attempts. Uh, but it's the tempo of their offense when they're smaller on the floor as opposed to Bogut uh, with Iguodala. It's just when they have three or more passes in their half-court sets, and that's what I'm talking about with tempo, the ball of the man movement. They're quicker. There's a cadence. There's a rhythm to their half-court sets. So when we talk about pace, it's not always just fast break points. And they excelled last night, finally. They got easy buckets, 18-3 to in transition points for, for the Warriors. But it's just the rhythm of their offense when they are in the half-court set. And they engage the defense early and make them play. And take something out of their gas tank at that end of the floor, and boys, have paid off for for ABC. You've you've seen the ratings as well. well. It's crazy how good they have been, which which tells you about the the state of the league right now. I mean, they're up through five games. The finals are up twenty seven percent from last year. Twenty seven percent. That's incredible. Right now, Daniel, it's the highest rated finals since the Bulls Jazz back in nineteen ninety eight, and Michael was playing. So. That tells you how good it is for the association right now.
3: Yeah, I agree. It's been fantastic to watch. Uh, What are some adjustments the Cavs need to make in game six? We mentioned uh, Timofey Mozgov only playing nine minutes. Do we see him play more in game six? And who needs to step up for Cleveland besides LeBron if they want to force a game seven?
4: Well, they need something from J.R. Smith. He was great in the first half and didn't score in the second half. He had 14 points in the first half, and, and they need something out of their bench offensively. Only other bucket was the one made by Mike Miller in the first half. Uh, James Jones, he only took one shot, really wasn't a factor, and he played almost 18 minutes. But what they've got, they're not getting much from, and they don't have a lot. They're short. If they weren't shorthanded, if Love was playing and Kyrie Irving, was, those two were playing, it'd be a totally different story. Uh, so you can't blame the Cavaliers. They readjusted at the trading deadline and did a good job to get Chumper to get, get J.R. Smith. But Shumpert's not a scorer anyway. He's a, he's a good perimeter defender at the two or three swing spot. Uh, they're not going to get what LeBron has to do, and they're not going to get a ton out of there. Mm-hmm. Maybe JR. Maybe JR. goes off. And, and that makes the a, a possibility, at least for all of us, a game seven in Oakland. But LeBron's got a take. Of the first four, three games of the series, he took 36 shots on average. And then in Game 4, he went down to 22, and they lost decisively, lost by 21. In Game 5, LeBron took 34 shots. They need him to take that many shots. They have to have him take that many shots. They don't look for other sources. I mean, they defer to him uh, almost to a fault. So if J.R. Smith isn't scoring, and he hasn't, LeBron's got to take 35 to 40 shots. So that has to continue. Tristan Thompson has to do more on second-chance putbacks because he's been a real force. He had five of his mm-hmm. ten boards at the offensive end again last, or game five. And they aren't going to get a ton because they don't have a deep bench. They have guys that are – and they're not a balanced roster. Mm-hmm. They're going to fix that over the season, uh, off season as well. They don't have a lot of depth in their backcourt. They're more swing guys when you talk about Sean Marion and – and people they could potentially bring off the bench, like Joe Harris, they're not traditional backup guards. And they got Marion and Perkins, but those guys, three and a five for the most part, they don't have a one or a two to come in and help them at the guard spot. And that's where they're deficient right now. So as far as I'm concerned, as you say, what do they have to do? LeBron's got to take 35 to 40 shots again.
3: Yeah, I agree, no doubt there, Joel. Uh, Does this game go back to Oakland for Game 7, or does Golden State finish it in Cleveland tomorrow night?
4: Our purpose is, like tonight, I would like to see a, a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Right. Uh, Who <laughs> doesn't? I'm a, I'm a Joel Quenville guy, and I'm a fan of his. So the coach, who's a really good person, the coach of the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. I want to see, I've said on my Sirius XM show on satellite radio, I want to see best of nine from now on, not best of seven. <laughs> I want more games. So, But I do believe the Warriors can close it out tomorrow night. They're just so deep, so talented. And once they get on a roll – And if Steph Curry builds off what he just had, which I believe he will, and I like the ball in his hands more often because let him make the decisions, Mm -hmm. let him make the plays, and they've gotten to that point over the last couple of games, it looks like the Warriors could close it out.
3: Yeah, I'm with you, though. I would love a Game 7 in both the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals. That would be something to watch. Um, Joel, we haven't had you on in a while, so uh, the Pelicans have a new coach since we've last had you on, and Alvin Gentry, who is a little busy right now, as you may know with the nba finals what is your make of alvin gentry
4: well i love what he brings offensively and then the additions defensively and and coaching them up and and i hear only good things about the assistance he's bringing in it'll be interesting it's going to be a different tempo a different pace uh, not a lot of half-court offense The the one thing and, and the last half was great there's no question to get to the playoffs with the injuries that the pels had last year The biggest question mark over the last couple of years was pace of play. Mm -hmm. Sixth, the youngest roster, and the 27th out of 30 teams in pace of play, so the fourth slowest team, which just didn't add up. And now it's going to be up to the guys. Now they're going to get what they want, which is freewheeling, and you push it. Don't look over your shoulder for a play call every time. Run your offense. And what Alvin has brought, whether it's in Phoenix and with the Clippers last year, pace of play has been outstanding. It's, there is no question, Daniel, it is going to be a very entertaining product for all the Pells fans. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they're going to get it up and down the floor. They're not going to be looking up at their shoulder for a play call. And Alvin Gentry's been great, wherever he's been, he, and a quality guy. I'm not objective. I've known Alvin for a long, long time, and I think he's a really good addition. If the Pelicans were going to make a change, they made a very, very good one.
3: Now, Joel, um, we still haven't had the draft yet or free agency, but how does the roster, the current roster with the Pelicans, how does that fit with uh, Alvin's offensive system?
4: Well, good, because uh, with Tyreek Evans, with Drew Holiday, hopefully Drew's healthy, um, Anthony Davis is going to get a lot of touches. Anthony Davis, as you and I both know, runs the floor as well as any big man in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So now when he gets out, they're going to be looking for him early. It's not going to be half-court sets most of the time. Uh, but I don't think we've seen the last of the movement from the Pelicans. I truly believe they're going to be creative, they're going to be aggressive in the offseason, and you're going to see a lot of different faces on the roster as well. So you'll see the core five or six back, but there are going to be some changes in this roster. There's no doubt in my
3: mind. Should be in a very exciting offseason, and should be an exciting last couple days of the NBA Finals. Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans for Fox Sports New Orleans. You can also hear him on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, Joel, do you have any other shows? Are you going on after the finals or before the finals? What's your next time you're on the air?
4: Well, I'm on four or five days a week and on four days this week. But I'm looking forward to uh, joining the Pelicans in Las Vegas, and I hope I see you out there because I'll be doing a bunch of days for NBA TV for Turner, uh, NBA Summer League, between the 10th and 20th. Okay. So. Looking forward to that, but on a, about four or five shows a week on Sirius XM NBA Radio. And for those that don't know that have it, it's Sirius 207 and it's XM86. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Daniel. But can't wait for Summer League. See some of the young guys, tells have that second-round pick. Don't be surprised if if they, for some reason, move in and all of a sudden acquire. You see, nothing would surprise me. I think that the Dell and the group that he has working with him in basketball ops are really inventive, creative, and aggressive so I wouldn't be nothing would surprise me if the Pels even moved in and I, I'm not speaking from talking to them about it and they're giving me an inkling that they're going to go in that direction but I wouldn't be shocked I would not yep. be surprised so it could be a busy draft day for the for the Pelicans as well on the 25th
3: absolutely looking forward to that and I will be in Vegas for a couple days so look Good. forward to see you there Joel Joel thank you so much for coming on this morning
4: my pleasure thanks for having me Daniel
3: no problem we'll be back in just a moment
0: pelicans fans be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game quest for the coast presented by chevron help pierre the pelican save the coast in this infinite flying adventure save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises this fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the audubon nature institute quest for the coast presented by chevron available only on the pelicans app Download it today Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
3: Our Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame series continues on the Black and Blue Report. Paul Houlihan, executive director and CEO of the Sugar Bowl, is this year's recipient of the Dave Dixon Louisiana Sports Leadership Award, and he joins us now via the telephone. Paul, congrats and thanks for coming on this morning.
2: Oh, Certainly. Thank you.
3: First off, what was your reaction when you found out the news that you would be receiving this award as part of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame?
2: Well, I was actually quite shocked. Uh, there was, you know, obviously no discussion about that prior to me receiving the call. So, uh, you know, it was fresh news, and of course, I was very happy. But uh, it was, uh, it was quite a, quite an honor.
3: And obviously, the award is named after Dave Dixon, who played an integral role in bringing NFL to New Orleans in the state of Louisiana. How does it feel to be given an award named after him?
2: Well, you know, I knew Dave, and Dave was obviously a remarkable man. I had great respect for him. Uh, he, you know, he, he accomplished so much in his career. Uh, in, in, innovative, creative—all the words that you know you'd associate with uh, a man of his stature. I just, uh, you know, I'm very proud to be, uh, you know, named uh, the recipient of this award.
3: How has he helped you? As far as you being at the Sugar Bowl, how working with him, how did that help you?
2: Well, you know, he was the type of uh, individual that uh, could be a mentor without interfering. He'd be a guy that you know would uh, offer you advice, but uh, he, he wasn't overbearing in that regard. But uh, when he, when he uh, did provide uh, information, I always felt it was you know, certainly worth listening to because he had unique insights.
3: Any fun stories or great stories that you have with your interaction with him? No, not necessarily. No, just he was a quality gentleman. Absolutely. Paul, you've been a part of the Sugar Bowl for nearly two decades. There have been some great times hosting five national championships, and there's been some tough times when dealing with Hurricane Katrina. What sticks out to you the most when looking back at your time so far with the Sugar Bowl?
2: The uh, people that have had the opportunity to work with the volunteer core of the Sugar Bowl committee just just really outstanding uh, group of people, and, and it's been a real privilege and honor to be associated with them over the years. Uh, we've, we've accomplished a lot together, obviously, and uh, we operate very much as a committee. And you know, When you look at uh, the things that we, we've been able to do, we've overcome adversity, as you've uh, suggested, on any number of occasions mm-hmm. and maintained our position in the uh, premier ranking, if you will, of the bowl system.
3: Yeah, speaking of the bowl system, you've been through the Bowl Alliance, the Bowl Championship Series, now the college football playoff system. How has that process been as far as transitioning from all these different um, systems in college football? Well,
2: this time around, I'd have to say it's been a heck of a lot more competitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've given the opportunity now to uh, lots of different cities to uh, participate in this this process. And, uh, you know, it's just no longer the thing where you you know you show up and you take your position. Uh, you really have to compete, and we've been very fortunate, particularly as it relates to the college football playoff, to maintain really top ranking in that in that whole uh, new grouping.
3: The Sugar Bowl has a history, and you know a lot of people respect the Sugar Bowl and what it's become as far as a bowl game. Are you surprised with how much the Sugar Bowl has evolved since you've uh, joined working with them?
2: No, I, the, the Sugar Bowl has always had a story tradition. They, they've been blessed by, you know, obviously, great leadership, and you know, for me to be able to be a part of it here for the last, as you said, two decades, it's truly a privilege and an honor, and, I, and I'm really fortunate. That's how I that's how I view the whole thing.
3: Paul, the city will now bid for the twenty nineteen and twenty twenty college football national championship game, and it's already hosting a semifinal semifinal game, excuse me, in twenty eighteen. What's the process like for you guys right now, and what would it mean for the city to host another national championship game?
2: Well, here's a perfect example of the competitive nature of the way things have evolved in this whole process. Uh, as you know, when we were when we were involved in the bowl championship series. Uh, we automatically got a national championship every four years in the rotation uh, now we're we 're up against uh, really stiff uh, competition in regard to uh the bidding process. Uh, we think that we have put forward a very competitive bid. We feel very comfortable that it'll be looked on favorably, but there are no guarantees so you know there there's a perfect example of how things have evolved to, to become much more competitive over the uh, over the previous BCS system.
3: Does that make things more challenging now that you're not guaranteed a national championship like you were with the BCS?
2: Absolutely. And you know, the cost of putting on these events now, you know, it's pretty much doubled what we uh we would put out in terms of hosting the events in in the previous year. So, uh looking for sources of funding is is become a challenge and we're very fortunate that uh, we approached the state and uh, the state has come up with a mechanism to provide additional funding for not only that event, but also uh, any, any of the major events going forward that the city will uh, hope to bid on. So, you know, congratulations to the legislators who were able to put together a bill and, and pass it and have the governor sign it. Uh, this is going to be extremely valuable for everybody involved in, in the bidding process going forward.
3: Absolutely. Paul, for those who don't know a lot about the bidding process, when do you find out whether you are hosting a 2019 or 2020 college football national championship game?
2: Well, we've been told that it'll probably be late September, early October before we'll know who the winners of the, uh, the bids for the three years, that would be 2018, 19, and 20. So, uh, we, we will have opportunity to uh, clarify aspects of the bid as, uh, Site visits are held here in the next couple months with the uh, the coordinators of this event, and we think we think we're going to be able to present very well. So we're we're, we're excited about the opportunity.
3: All right, lots of things ahead for the Sugar Bowl. That's Paul Hulhan, executive director and CEO of the Sugar Bowl, and uh, this year's recipient of the Dave Dixon Louisiana Sports Leadership Award, Dave. Congratulations again. Enjoy all the festivities and thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Well,
2: thank you very much. I certainly
3: appreciate it. No problem. We'll be right back.
2: Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years and today Ochsner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care
0: closer to home.
2: Find the care you need today. Call 866-OCHSNER for a same-day appointment. Ochsner, healthcare with peace of mind.
0: This is Pelican's Guard Drew Holiday and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
3: Good show today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, big thanks to Joel Myers coming on talking about the NBA Finals. Game 6 tomorrow, 8 o'clock Central on ABC. And also big thanks to Paul All Allstate Sugar Bowl CEO. And also this year's recipient of the Dave Dixon Louisiana Sports Leadership Award. He'll be receiving that award at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame later on this month. Big thanks to him for coming on and congratulations to him on winning This award tomorrow we'll start our mini camp coverage saints mini camp starts presented by verizon john deshazer will come on to preview that we'll also have a little golf for you u.s open is happening this weekend at uh, chambers bay in washington state that's a cause for i wouldn't say controversy but a lot of people are talking about that decision and uh, we'll have brian manzella who uh is a golf teacher one of the top 100 golf teachers in the in the country uh he also is right here in new orleans at english turn golf and country club we'll get his thoughts on the u.s open plus he's also a saint season ticket holder and a big saints fan we'll get his thoughts on that as well so good show tomorrow good show the rest of the week we'll have more nba finals talk throughout the week and plenty of saints coverage for you on this show and of course on Saints.com. That'll do it for this edition of the show. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.